0: We must also focus more and more on what the new architecture for housing finance should look like and consider how we should transition to this new system. We must additionally work carefully to avoid repeating past mistakes and doing harm. Three little
1: birds. Welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
0: And I'm Tamara Keith. Very pleased to be guest hosting the Planet Money podcast today, remotely from NPR World Headquarters in Washington, D.C.
1: The World Headquarters. We are very pleased to have you. You, of course, are on the business desk at NPR. And you and I have been working on the subject of today's podcast together all week. Would you like to do the honors?
0: I would love to. Today is Friday, April 1st, and that was Congressman Paul Kanjorski. You heard at the top talking about the future of housing finance in America. Today on the podcast, Alex, we will be wrapping up Fannie and Freddie week here at Planet Money. (laughs) On Tuesday, we heard about the rise and fall of Fannie and Freddie. They were taken over by the U.S. government in September of 2008. And the question of today's podcast is now that we own them, what do we do with them?
1: You know, Tamara, it's like you've been hosting the Planet Money podcast your entire life. (laughs) Uh, Fannie and Freddie currently make up two-thirds of the American mortgage market, and when you combine them with other government agencies that deal with mortgages, 90% of mortgages issued in America today go through the federal government. The U.S. mortgage market is essentially a state-run industry. To help us tell these stories, this week we've teamed up with journalists Bethany McLean and Joan Nocera, authors of the book All the Devils Are Here. You'll be hearing from them later in the podcast. But first, as always our Planet Money indicator with our very own Jacob Goldstein. Today's plan of money indicator, 216,000. The U.S. economy added 216,000 jobs in the month of March. That's according to the big employment report that came out today. This is a good number. It's a really strong report overall. It's a little better than economists were expecting. And, And maybe even more importantly, if you step back and look over the past few months now, the economy is not only adding jobs every month, but the rate of increase is accelerating. Each month we seem to be adding more and more jobs. I'm not impressed. Come on, man. What's it going to (laughs) take? I'm I'm, I'm taking your role here. I'm going to be the bad guy Okay. I love it. I'm ready. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, the jobs picture is improving. But if you step back and look at this with a little bit of historical perspective, not even that much, but just a little bit, uh, the jobs picture is still pretty bad, right? The unemployment rate is falling, but it's still really high. It's at 8.8%, which is historically very high. And we've been adding a few hundred thousand jobs a month. But still, if you look at how many jobs have been lost in total, you know, from the peak, we're still 7 million jobs down. You know, we still have a net loss of 7 million yeah, jobs. Yeah. So, indeed, I mean, that's definitely true. It's like, it's like during the recession, we fell into this really deep hole, and now we're just slowly climbing our way out. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks. So, Tamara, on to the subject of today's show, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, two of the most fascinating companies in U.S. history.
0: Really, Alex, the most fascinating companies in U.S. history. I think there's a lot of people who might disagree with you on that.
1: But you do find them a little fascinating, don't you?
0: Maybe a little bit. All right. But but for all of the people out there who are not super housing finance nerds, I think we should start with a little bit of a recap here. What is it that Fannie and Freddie do anyway? And uh, I think you're in a perfect position
1: to explain because you own a home, right?
0: I do. I do. And when I bought my house, I went to the bank. I got a loan. But that is not where it stopped. The bank didn't want to keep my loan on their books, so they sold it to Freddie Mac.
1: And that's actually true. You know that.
0: This is actually true. I Mm -hmm. went on the internet and looked it up. Freddie Mac then bundled up my loan with a bunch of other loans into a mortgage-backed security and sold it off to banks, pension funds, and foreign governments.
1: And a mortgage-backed security, of course, you've probably heard that term (laughs) in the news at
0: some (laughs) point. It's
1: just basically a big bundle of mortgages like, like yours, right? A
0: big old bundle of mortgages. And the thing is, a foreign government like China say wouldn't lend me money directly to buy my house but they would totally buy a security made up of mortgages just like mine and the reason is that Freddie Mac promises that if I stop paying they will make up the difference that's sort of the service of Fannie and Freddie they guarantee the mortgages of American homeowners like me and that makes it okay for these huge pension funds and foreign governments to basically loan us money to buy our houses
1: And for decades, the U.S. government implicitly stood behind Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. There was this belief that if Freddie and Fannie got into trouble, the U.S. government would come and bail them out. Now, of course, that belief has been proven true. The implicit guarantee is explicit. And the question becomes, in the future, do we need the government involved in mortgages at all? And if so, how much? And Tamara, you have basically been on a mission to find out answers to that question, right?
0: I have. I have been to... a bunch of symposiums on the future of housing finance. I have watched hearings on C-SPAN 3.
1: (laughs) I didn't even know there was a C-SPAN 3.
0: Oh, there's totally a (laughs) C-SPAN 3. Um, And, you know, at first it can seem like there's a lot of agreement on this. We need to wind down Fannie and Freddie and substantially reduce the government's footprint in the housing market. I think that's like
1: goal one is to get the taxpayers off the hook. Goal two or part of one is to make sure that
0: the taxpayers never again will be find themselves in this situation. I think they should be abolished. The only question is uh, what do you put in their place? Now, that was, in order of appearance, Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, Republican Congressman Scott Garrett, and Congressman Barney Frank, who's a Democrat. So basically, we've got the Obama administration, an influential Republican, and an equally influential Democrat, and they all seem to agree. But wait, what did Barney Frank say at the end there? The only question is, uh, what do you put in their place? And that's where all the agreement falls apart. Uh, yeah, you were telling me
1: that Washington, D.C. now sort of feels like Hollywood, where everyone has a screenplay. But, but in D.C., it's not a screenplay. It's, it's a plan for Fannie and Freddie.
0: Yep. Everybody here seems to have some sort of plan or white paper or elevator pitch for their vision for Fannie and Freddie, the sequel.
1: And we're going to be hearing about those various plans, which are all, in essence, different ways to answer Barney Frank's question.
0: The only question is, uh, what do you put in that place? So let's start with Dwight Jaffe. He's a professor at UC Berkeley who studies mortgage markets. We met him in the podcast on Tuesday. He's the one who said that despite all the money we've poured into Fannie and Freddie, they haven't done much to help homeownership. He says replace Fannie and Freddie with nothing. The government doesn't need to come up with any solutions. He says the private market will take care of all of our mortgage finance needs.
1: If I were here Telling you why having the private markets make beer, and we should get the government out of the beer business, you wouldn't be very surprised. In fact, you would say, "Well, why would we ever get the government in the beer market?" Mortgage lending is not rocket science. It's it's the same story. Why would you ever want the government in it?
0: Jaffe points to European countries that don't have the government involved in mortgages, and they have better home ownership rates than here in the U.S. What he's saying seems so incredibly reasonable. And yet, not many people agree with him.
1: Let's make it very clear. Let's
0: have a government role right at the front. That was Lawrence Yoon, He's the chief economist at the National Association of Realtors. That's right. The realtors are saying, government, we need you. And you don't often hear business lobbies ask for more government intervention. But that's what Yoon and the Realtors want.
1: The Realtors are key players in what people call the housing industrial complex, along with the home builders, the mortgage bankers and others. And this group benefited from the existence of Fannie and Freddie. And so now Yoon and the Realtors are pushing to replace Fannie and Freddie with a new government agency that does a lot of the same stuff. And they're actually using the same arguments they used to use in support of Fannie and Freddie. They say, housing, it is not like beer. Yoon says it's special. It's just ingrained in the American mindset that to say, I own a property, I own a piece of America, I am a participant in America. I think that's all good for the country. Yoon and a lot of others are warning that if the government pulls too far out of housing, loans will be harder to get, interest rates will go up. Without a government guarantee, all those pension funds and foreign governments that lent you, Tamara, money
0: to buy your house, they
1: won't want to lend to you anymore. People like this guy.
0: You know, we we typically are one of the largest holders in the world of uh, agency mortgages. This is Scott Simon, uh, not of public radio fame. He works at a money management firm called PIMCO, and he buys a ton of the mortgage-backed securities created by Fannie and Freddie, so-called agency mortgages. If the government backing goes away, he told us that a lot of investors wouldn't take the risk on borrowers like me. If it's not the banks, if it's not the money managers, and it's not overseas— Who exactly is going to be this magic pool that takes a trillion dollars of mortgage origination every year and puts it on their balance sheets? And the answer is we don't know.
1: So you can understand why Lawrence Yoon and Scott Simon are saying the things that they're saying. But Tamara, I have to say I was a little surprised that there aren't more banks and businesses lining up on the other side of this argument, lining up on Dwight Jaffe's side saying, you know what? We don't need the government involved. In fact, we would like the government out of the way so that we can take some of this business. But that just doesn't seem to be happening. So, And just for example, I saw this Credit Suisse report. Credit Suisse is a private bank. And they issued this big report. And the title of this report says it all. It says Fannie and Freddie, quote, still the best answer for U.S. housing finance. They're basically saying just – Go back to the way things were. We want the government involved. And I talked to journalist Joe Nocera about that, about why this is happening. He's co-author of the book All the Devils Are Here and helped us report some of these stories.
0: Banks, lenders, originators had a large dependence on Fannie, Freddie, and, and, and government backstop. And I think they, there's a kind of nakedness they feel without it that makes, them un, makes people in the business really uncomfortable. Mm. I would think of it like this: every um America uh is a country that um for all the talk about uh private enterprise and how private companies can do things better than the government um housing is an area where government has been involved for a really long time not just a decade not just two decades but you know back to the 30s um, and, and one of the reasons I think it would be hard to break away and have a purely private market, it's just because we've, we don't have a lot of experience at it. Or in other words, the government's involvement is baked in. If you can't remember a time when the government wasn't involved, then it's pretty hard to imagine what it would be like without them.
1: And then there's this other issue that people raised. Whether or not we want the government involved in a crisis We actually don't have a choice. So Barry Ziegas is a former housing advocate and a former executive at Fannie Mae. And he says this is the thing that we learned from the financial crisis. The government didn't have any kind of implicit or explicit relationship with AIG. They stepped in to shore them up because the implications were too great. Goldman Sachs, Citi, Chase, B of A. They've all benefited from a government intervention that was not because the government had a formal requirement to do it, but because the government in the end holds the tail risk when systemic disruptions take place. Tail risk, that's sort of the technical term for like the 100-year storm, the really, really bad thing that you can't really plan for. So, you know, the argument that we can somehow emerge from this crisis in a system where the government has no engagement in housing is a wonderful but I think ultimately unreachable goal. What this crisis should have taught us is, regardless of the formal or informal relationships the government has, when the entire financial economy or housing economy is threatened, the government is going to step in.
0: So what a lot of people are saying here is, if this is going to happen anyway, we might as well admit it, plan for it, and maybe even price it correctly.
1: Right. They say if the government is going to come in anyway... The government should just be sort of like an insurance company, collecting small premiums. And then when this thing happens, if it ever happens, then the government will have at least been charging people for this contingency, basically.
0: Yeah, we'll have saved up in advance for the 100-year storm. Right. So basically, we have three plans emerging here. Get the government the heck out. That's the Dwight Jaffe plan. Keep the government very involved. That's what the realtors are talking about. Or some middle ground, a little bit of government, but without all that pesky risk to the taxpayer. That's what Barry Zegas and really a whole bunch of people in Washington are keying in on.
1: But to Bethany McLean, that starts to look a whole lot like a new reconstituted version of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. McLean is the other co-author of the book, All the Devils Are Here. And she says, Fannie and Freddie, they started out small and limited, too.
0: You can put all the safeguards you want in place. You can do this with the best of intentions and everybody will say, oh, we're going to do this so that it's safe this time, so that these companies with the government guarantee aren't taking that much risk and it will start off that way. And then inevitably, McLean says we will forget what it was like before. The housing market will get better and the companies will start taking more risks and we will be right back where we were before. So the most likely solution is really a recreation of, of Fanny and Freddie, except everybody will pretend that it's not.
1: So there are all these ideas floating around, all these ideas about what to do. But obviously, what actually happens with Fannie and Freddie, it all comes down to politics. And right now, there's some real politics going on, which you've been following, Tamara. It's sort of interesting to watch. There have been a couple of initiatives about what to do about Fannie and Freddie that have come out of the Republican leadership in the House. And uh, you've been following them. Just this week, there was a whole set of initiatives that came out, right? Right.
0: Yes. Earlier this week, a group of Republicans in the House introduced a package of eight bills related to Fannie and Freddie. The interesting thing is that these bills don't wipe them out entirely. They actually keep them around, at least for now, but on a much shorter leash. They would do things like raise the fees that Fannie and Freddie charge to guarantee mortgages, and that would reduce some of their advantage that they've had over the private sector. And they'd wind down the firm's investment portfolios, and they'd cut pay for executives, among other things. Interestingly, a lot of these ideas are things that the Obama administration has also talked about.
1: But there's this other bill out there that was introduced a couple of weeks ago in the House and was introduced this week in the Senate that is much more aggressive. It would basically end the government bailout, wind down Fannie and Freddie, make them disappear within a couple of years.
0: It would do it pretty quickly. Pretty
1: quickly, right? Um, And what's interesting, though, is that even though that's what a lot of people sort of say they want... It's seen as a long shot, as in it probably doesn't even have enough Republican votes to make it out of the Republican-controlled House. And now you're hearing Republican representatives out there saying, like, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't move too quickly on this. The housing market is fragile, sort of saying a lot of the things that historically Democrats have said about Fannie and Freddie in the past.
0: Yeah. The thing is that as much as it seems like Republicans hate Fannie and Freddie and want to see them destroyed and Democrats are like, "Eh, let's keep them around – This is not as partisan an issue as you might think. Uh, The so-called housing industrial complex has been has done a very good job of making friends in both parties. And so to close, I want to play a piece of tape for you from Lucien Salvant. He's the head of public affairs for the National Association of Realtors. And when I was interviewing him, I was thinking about all those politicians, like we heard from at the beginning of the podcast, who were saying, we need to limit the government's role in housing. We need to reduce the government's involvement. And yet I'm sitting here talking to the realtors, and they're talking about creating a whole new government agency, and it just seems so out of sync. I'm like, Lucian, why do you feel confident that you're going to be able to get what you want? And this is what he said. We have drawn that line straight down the middle about home ownership and housing issues so so that it doesn't really matter which party is in power, the ones that we work with and very closely with.
1: And let me just cut in here and say that when he says work with, he might as well be saying make campaign contributions to
0: and work with. The ones that we work with and very closely with are those who support our issues on home ownership, whether they're Democrat, left-leaning liberal, Republican or Tea Party. What are their views on home ownership and can we work with them? That's been the key to our success. We have a lot more information about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on the Planet Money blog. That's npr.org slash money.
1: And we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments. Please write to us at planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
0: And I'm Tamara Keith. Thanks for listening. You're going to
1: find yourself somewhere, somehow.
0: Blue as the sky. Somber and lonely Seventeen 17-